Good morning. Last week we ended our series on belong. We are created in the image of God and we were made to be in community with one another. And hopefully very soon, June the 7th, the plan is that we will finally be able to be back as a body of people. And we're excited about that. But today I want to come off of this idea of community and belong. And I want to look at this, this topic of identity. Community is in the church. Identity is found in Christ. When we talk about identity, I'm talking about what it is that defines you. You know, if you ask your friends to say, what do you think, how I identify, how, do you, how would you define me as a person, you get a pretty good idea. Or just go through your social, social media pages and just see all the things that you post and, and you'll get a pretty good idea as to what it is that really defines you as a person, or at least maybe in the most extent. These are, there are certain things um, that we're going to be talking about today that might make you feel a little tense inside. And you may even be tempted to deny this is something that you struggle with, or maybe you want to look at other people and say this is something they struggle with. But I want to say a couple of things as we get ready to move into this lesson. And the first thing is that none of us are perfect. None of us live up to the perfect image of Christ. And it's okay for us to discover things about ourselves of having a false belief or a false way of doing things. And that's perfectly normal. In fact, what we find in Scripture, not just in the New Testament with Jesus and, and on, but even before that, we see that our life with God is seen as a journey, as a walk. And how Paul describes it is as this transformation. In fact, let's read Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay. Transformation is more than, than changing your behavior. It's more than learning a few lessons. Uh, it is a complete cognitive makeover. It is the deconstruction of wrong and harmful ways of thinking. And it's a construction of good and right and godly way of thinking. In Romans chapter 6, Paul speaks to these Roman Christians about their baptism. He reminds them. And he says, he re, he says remember, you when you were baptized, you were done so into the, uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there you raise to this new life. And what he's showing here is that even through something such as baptism, our identity is actually found in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that, that we don't struggle between our fleshly selves that we 
are trying to leave behind and this new life that we have in Christ and the Spirit. There's always going to be that conflict until, of course, Jesus comes again. And I want to deal with three things this morning that I believe are, are very difficult for Christians in this struggle in finding our identity as we continue to journey through this world. The first thing I want to talk about is worldly kingdoms versus the kingdom of God. Worldly kingdoms versus the kingdom of God. It's good to care about our country. It is good to uh, care about the direction that it takes. We are very blessed living in this country, in this community, that we have the gift to vote that we can seek out those that maybe we feel hold to our values, uh, whether it be as a Christian, you know, someone who cares about the poor and the oppressed, or someone we feel like is, is just and cares about mercy and compassion and peacefulness and so forth. And all of those things are good. Romans 13 also, Paul tells us, that we are to obey governing authorities. And the reason he tells us is because that they have been appointed by God. And that seems to tell us that, you know, prayer is even more important than casting a ballot. Not to say that isn't something you shouldn't do, but to say that God evidently has a decisive vote, which is easy for us to see when our candidate gets into the office that we want them to, but sometimes it's hard when we feel like the wrong person is in those places. But remember, Paul is writing to a time when Nero was, was the emperor. And even in the Old Testament, we see that God allowed evil kings and nations to rise up so that they might um, do a, have a divine purpose in things. And we don't always know God's intent. We don't always know God's purposes. But our responsibility is simply this. We trust God. No matter the outcome, no matter how we think things are supposed to be, being a Christian, our real identity is just trusting God. Jesus came and he ushered in the kingdom of God, of which he is king. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he taught us what it means to live in this kingdom and these kingdom values. We're to care for others and mourn over injustice. We long for what is right. We're lights in a dark world. Christianity isn't about impressing people uh, with our works, with our goodness. It's something that's genuine. It is, is a love for God that is so deep that is so powerful that it allows us to even love our enemies. God's people, they don't panic in times of crisis. They trust God. They're people who pray and they trust God. They're people who treat other folks the way they want to be treated. The kingdoms of the world has a very different philosophy. The philosophy is, this is about me. The philosophy is, you be the stronghold, you take control, you dominate your enemies, you push your agendas, whether those agendas are good for the people or not. Corruption is found in every party. There are lies and scandals and fear-mongering. Even in the best countries, we find they deal with these issues. But the kingdom of God 
will not reach its completed form until Jesus comes back to the earth again. And until that time, we are living between these two worlds, between the worldly kingdom we live and the kingdom of God that we await its completion. And we also learn that we have responsibilities to both. In our worldly kingdom, we are to be good citizens. We should be people who live at peace with all people as much as it depends upon us. We pray for leaders. We serve our communities. In the kingdom of God, we share with our worldly kingdom the good news that Jesus is king, that there is a greater kingdom than the one in which we live we may be concerned about the economy being in our world, but yet our kingdom values doesn't allow us to panic. It, does, it allows us to, to be able to process these things unlike an unbeliever. So we put our hope in God rather than in worldly leaders and rather than worldly kingdoms. And I think this is where we have to ask ourselves, where do we put our identity? And I would ask you simply to ask God for the Spirit to reveal this to you. Because it is a struggle as we live in these two kingdoms. But where do you find your identity? The other thing is, uh, and, and let me continue on as far as this identity goes. A preacher friend of mine, he posted this on Facebook Last week, he said, when this pandemic is over and history books are written, I hope that Christians will be known more for standing up for the well-being of others than for standing up for our rights. And he received positive and negative responses from Christians. Demanding our rights is a worldly kingdom principle. Giving up our rights for others is a God's kingdom principle. As citizens of this country and, and going through this pandemic, we are asked to go along certain guidelines. And, and some have felt like that this has been a violation of our rights, and, and maybe in some cases it is. But as citizens of the kingdom of God, our personal freedoms must take a back seat when it comes to the love and the care of other people. That we'll be willing to give up maybe rights that are absolutely ours in order to keep other people safe. Again, this is a time of reflection. Here's another thing I want to notice. What others think versus what God thinks. What other people think versus what God thinks. Do you live up to the standards that other people have set for you? You know, a lot of kids, they, they, they feel like they are what their parents have perceived them to be. And that could be positive, such as they are, you know, smart and beautiful, or they can be negative, thinking they're dumb and useless. And even our peers that we hang with, you know, they may have certain perception. They may put a certain identity, a description upon you. You know, you're the athlete. You are the person who is popular, or maybe you're the person who's kind of nerdy, or you're the person who is, you know, plain, or whatever it may be. All humanity needs to see themselves through the eyes of their Creator. 
And all of us are sinners in need of rescue. Our Father, he sent his Son into our world to die and to resurrect so that all of us will have the hope of forgiveness, of restoration, of eternal life. Those in Christ are saved, not by their goodness, but by Jesus and his goodness, the one we place our identity. We are given community with other believers to, to comfort one another, to encourage and exhort one another. How does God see you? You want to know how God sees you. If you're a Christian, if you struggle with your identity, let me share just a few things that the Bible says. He says that we are a saint, that we're blessed, we're gifted, we're adopted into God's family, that we're loved, we're victorious, we're appreciated, we're heard, we're forgiven. So we have to ask ourselves, where do I place my identity? Is my identity based on what other people think of me? Or is it based on how God sees me? A third struggle is religion versus Jesus. And that seems like a contradiction. But I think if you go to the Gospels and you read of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you'll have a little better understanding and, and, and this confrontation that they had with Jesus. They, they had their religion, and their religion was very important, and it helped them to maintain their own distinctiveness, really their own identity as this nation of people. The temple, circumcision, Sabbath, just to name a few. The problem is that they began to see their religion and their ceremonies and their traditions and laws as their identity. And it became even more important to them than the very basic essentials of human life. Compassion and mercy. On one occasion, the disciples, they're going through a wheat field and they gather up some of its grain and they begin to eat. And some of these religious leaders see this and they accuse Jesus of allowing these, um, these disciples of his to break their laws about the Sabbath because it was the Sabbath day. And Jesus goes on and he taught that the human need took precedence over the Sabbath. It took precedence over religion. Rituals and traditions are not as important as people. Jesus wasn't saying that the Sabbath was bad. Not at all. In fact, in that exchange, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Very good. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the great source and the object of the temple. He is its founder and the subject of its worship. He is greater than the temple. He is greater than special days. He is greater than their traditions. And like the, religion, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, sometimes we can become more identified 
identifying ourselves in these rituals and traditions than we can in God himself and his very nature. Assembling each week in baptism and the Lord's Supper, these are not evil. We just spent the last three weeks talking about community and, and why it's important for us as a people to come together. Our rituals, they're not only scriptural, but they're, they're deep and rich in meaning. But do those things define you? You may say you are connected with Jesus, or you may say those things are connected with Jesus. But we can also say the same about the Sabbath and the temple. Those two were connected with Jesus. So how can we tell if we've placed our identity in religion or if we place our identity in Jesus? Here we are in this pandemic. Is meeting each week more important than looking out for those who may be the most susceptible to this virus, at least until it's safe to reassemble? Being together as a church and Sabbath are important, but it isn't what defines us. Is Sunday morning worship, is that the end-all, be-all of the Christian community? Is baptism the true test of who is a disciple of Jesus, a follower? Are we more focused on bringing people to church or are we more focused on bringing people to Jesus? Can people be a church member and yet not be a student, a learner, a disciple of Jesus actively in their lives? It's religion versus Jesus. Now, these are just a few of the struggles that we face. We constantly are going to struggle with in our Christian life as we live in these, these you know, human fleshly bodies as, and, and the spirit that lives within us. Some people place their identity in things such as wealth and status. Some people place it in jobs or success. But the point is that we must continually to ask ourselves along the journey, along this road, is where exactly do I place my identity? Is it in Jesus? Next week, Peyton's going to be here, and he's going to talk to us about what does that mean when we say Jesus is our all. He is our identity. He is the one who defines us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day and we just thank you for the opportunity for us to be together, whether it's around this table or people who are tuning in that we know and we love. And, but Father, we thank you for your spirit that you bring us all together despite a time of temporary, um, a temporary time of being separated. But Father, we just ask you to be with us in our times of conflicts. We all have them. We all struggle with them. But Father, we just pray for your spirit will continue to guide us and lead us and that we ourselves will open our minds and our hearts to be led by you. Father, 
we know that we mess up and, and we fail you in so many ways, which is why, Father, we just trust you to save us because we cannot save ourselves. Help us along our journey. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.